Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. The very Spirit of God draws us to God. This isn't about how good we are. I don't even believe this is about who's chosen and who's not. This is the Spirit of God that's drawing us to Him. Week two of our new series, Dream Again, a study in Acts. We're in Acts chapter two this week. Grab your Bible. Pastor Randy says the Holy Spirit is in you and on you. Here's the question. You have the Holy Spirit if you're a believer, but does the Holy Spirit have you? That's the, that's the on part. Here's Pastor Randy. Well, good morning, New Hope. You guys can bump arms or hug or whatever you feel comfortable doing out there within limits. <laughs> well, open your Bibles up to the book of Acts, chapter 2, and flip over to Ezekiel, um, and Ezekiel chapter 37. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you all that are watching online. I, I know that... Um, I know there's a lot of people ill right now. We're praying for all of you. And if you've got a prayer request, you can put that in on the online feed and we'll note that. If you are a first responder or current military or former military, your gift is here. It is a really sweet knife um, that, we, that we got for you guys. It's like an assisted opening knife. And it's, it also breaks car windows if you needed to do that. And it slices uh, seat belts if you needed to do that. It's just a little thank you that we got. There's a table in the back. I, we did a soldier's wedding here last night and, and he had set up a table in honor of friends, specifically one friend that didn't come back. And we were, we were tearing down late last night and I just didn't have the heart to tear that down. I just didn't feel like I could do that. So it's in the lobby and uh, Patrick and Brian and some of the guys are going to be out there afterwards, and they've got a gift for you uh, out at that table. So uh, if you got your Bibles open, we're going to jump in here. This is two parts. We are talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what calls us. He draws us. He moves us to forgive. He is the agent of forgiveness in our life. And as we're looking at this, the Holy Spirit, the true work, three, three things here, there is the wind of the Spirit, that's the, the breath, that, that word wind and breath, in the Greek and Hebrew, it means breath, it means wind, it's a, it's a combined word there that's essentially saying, this is the thing that moves. How, how many of y'all ever been sailing before? I, I, we, were, we were out on the ocean, when Anita and I were dating, I had a friend that had a big sailboat, and we were out there, and, and, and we dropped anchor in about 120 feet of water, and we were sailing, and, and we, we stopped and dropped anchor and we were swimming out in the ocean and about a mile away, the submarine popped up, which totally freaked me out to think there was something that big in the water around us. And then I'm wondering what else is in the water around us. And I hear this, duh, duh, duh. And, and, but, but we got back up and there was no wind. And the sails just kind of sat there. And when the sails just kind of sit there, you know what you do? You just kind of sit there. But then all of a sudden, the wind hit that sail, and you felt that boat, thousands of pounds of boat, just surge. That's the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. That's what he does. It, it, this, without the Holy Spirit, 
Without that win, the, the church can become a set of rules and regulations. We can become Pharisees without even knowing it. Without the Holy Spirit, we're functionally, we're Buddhists. It's a series of platitudes and ideas, but, but this is not just a set of theories and ideas. This is a loving, walking, living relationship with the living God. And it winds up being a divisive thing. And I, I've got a little graphic that I want to show you here. And because Jesus said to love with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And you know, when sometimes there's, there's parts of the church that, that are more worshipful. Now I grew up, I grew up holiness, which is like Pentecostal without tongues is basically what holiness is. But if you grew up Pentecostal, you, you, you kind of know that worship. And, and we would, when we would go to church, there would be, we would worship sometimes longer than the sermons and the sermons were long, but it's, it's very worship focused on, on the, the soul part. Maybe if you grew up Baptist, it's more about right living. It's also about the, the big question is how many people came to faith, coming to faith and baptisms is very emphasized in that movement. If you grew up Presbyterian, it's very much about the mind, redemptive history. And this is on an axis of, of covenant between heart and, and mind. And then, and then it's, a, it's a commission axis of service and then right living. If you, went, if you grew up mainline, PCUSA or United Methodist, the acts of service are, are much bigger. For Quakers, acts of service are much bigger. The Quakers very early on were anti-slavery before any other movement. The, the Quakers rejected slavery before any other religious entity in this, in this nation did. But here's the thing, the Holy Spirit is drawing us not to one place in this paradigm. He's drawing us to have a heart of worship. When, when you got married, you know, we, we did this wedding last night and, and the groom is like 6'5", 270 pounds, 0.3% body fat guy, kind of like me. And, uh, and no, I ran, the, I ran the, the NG35K yesterday, exact same time as college, well, a bad day in college. The difference is in college, it was a 10K and, and, and this was a 5K, same, same time. But uh, I, listen, I'm hurting in places I, today I didn't even know I had. And, but, but we're doing this wedding, and he's like crying like a baby. This guy's been to battle, got purple hearts, medals all over him. Because there's something about love that does that, doesn't it? You see your child for the first time, and you just cry. They go off to college. Boy, I'm, I'm close... I shouldn't say that in September, should I? I should save that story for like October. But they go off to college and, and, and it just touches your heart. Worship would be that to us. It sh we, we should have that, that draw, but it's also about right living and seeing people come to faith. If, if there's no interest there, then it's, it's that the Holy Spirit needs to take root in your life in a way that he's not. If it's not a drawing towards knowing him, a hunger to his word. The second thing I'm gonna talk about today is his word, that, that the Holy Spirit is a word-driven. The Holy Spirit focuses in on the word, but then there's this, there's this entirety here of the way that we would then live this witness, that it's an outward move. 
It's not just one piece of this equation, it's all of it. So chapter two, beginning at verse one, when the day of Pentecost arrived, there are three major feasts. There's, there's Pentecost, there's Passover, and there's booths. Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. That's why it's Penta, it's 50. There's a, there's a link in your notes uh, there from the seedbed people about all the major feasts. 50 days after Passover, now look at this, you might wanna underline this, they were all together in one place. All together, one. Huge emphasis there. What scripture's doing is, is saying we're together. We're unified. Huge emphasis. You see that? All together, one. Huge emphasis right there in language that it's saying this is about being together. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. This is obviously something that wasn't just happening within them. Sometimes the Lord speaks to us and we know that just in our heart. This is not just something that's internal. This is going on outside. I'm gonna show you how that is in just a second. It filled the entire house. Now look at this, where they were sitting. They were not trying to conjure something here. You don't have to conjure the Holy Spirit. You do have to be expectant of him. Big difference. They're not trying to conjure something. They're sitting they're just, you know what they were doing? They were doing what they were told to do because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem, don't leave. Don't, you just stay there. They're not trying to conjure something. That word sitting, it's, it's, it's very, it's put in there for a reason. And divided tongues. Now, that word tongues, you, again, you might wanna underline that. We're gonna, we're gonna get to what this, is, what this is saying here because these divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And we're gonna see what that is in just a second. But here's a couple of things that I would want you to note. The first one here is there is this sound. There, that's, that's the very breath of God that that when God's spirit moves, things happen, it can be heard, it can be sensed. Ezekiel chapter 37, I love this passage. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse nine, flip over there if you would. It's right before Daniel, who was true to his God. If you remember the song, any guys remember the little song? Ezekiel and Daniel, I'm just, I'm pausing to give you time to get there, all right? And then he said to me, verse nine, prophesy to the breath. Here we go. This is, when you see that word breath, it's, it's spirit, wind, breath. They're the same word, Hebrew and Greek. Prophesy to the breath, or prophesy to the wind, or prophesy to the spirit. Prophecy, son of man, and say to the breath, there it is again, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, there's that word again, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Breath is one of those things you don't really think about a lot. I, I, if you've ever been involved in a water accident, and I have been, where you, you are trapped, just, just hold your breath for a second. Just like, let's just do like 10 seconds. Okay, you can breathe now. There's no hunger like breath, is there? Like, like you think you're hungry, like I, I gotta get some food. But man, it, 
Anybody ever held you under the water at the pool? You are gonna, you're gonna do what you have to do to breathe. It, it, it's this thing we don't think about all the time. But, but to breathe, it, it's, it's so necessary. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may what? They may live, verse 10. So I prophesied and he, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And he said, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you may know that I am the Lord when I open the graves and raise you up. Now here's, here's the culmination of this. O my people, I will pour my spirit, my wind, my breath within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it, declares the Lord, and all God's people said amen. That he promises that he's going to do something in us, but there's a calling on this. Here's the second thing. There's a new temple being consecrated. Back over to, to Acts chapter two, there's a new temple being consecrated. This is in Revelation 21.3. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. This consecration, 1 Corinthians 6.18 talks about this. This is why we, we would behave, we would act in certain ways because, because this, is, this is no longer, this is no longer common. When the Holy Spirit comes into something, it is no longer common. When the, when the breath of God, when the wind of God comes into something, it is no longer common. It's holy, it's set apart. This, this building is not the abiding place of God. You, you brought the church into this building today when you came in. It wasn't the church at 6 a.m. It became the church at 6.30 when Daniel pulled up and walked in. The, the Spirit of God does not live behind that screen. I've been back there. But once I go back there, the Spirit of God is in that, behind that screen. This is why he says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Now look at this. Verse, verse 19 of, second, of 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Church, when we attack other believers, we are not attacking just a human being. We are attacking a temple. That's a lot of reality, isn't it? I might have to apologize this afternoon to some people. When this, this is no longer just, just us, it's him too. This is a, this is a kingdom of, of power. It's divided tongues as of fire. So, so there's this language, but there's also fire. Fire was the, the power source. It was the most powerful thing that existed in the ancient Near East. Fire was everything. Hebrews chapter 12 
Verse 29 says, our God's a consuming fire. And it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And, you, and, I can, and I'm sure that somebody's saying, so tell me, about what is, tell me about tongues and all those things. Well, if I was preaching in 1 Corinthians 14, I would, but we're not. This is about language today. This is all I'm gonna say about tongues. I've heard people say it's demonic. I've heard people say that it's necessary for salvation. Here's what I would say. Paul spoke in tongues, Jesus didn't. Figure that one out. This, though, is about language. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's prepositions here. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit is with you, John 14. This is what Jesus says. Even the Spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, watch this, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is with us. This is what draws us to him, Romans 3.10. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is what Romans 3 is saying. And if you go back and you look at Romans chapter three, this is what it's saying, that the very spirit of God draws us to God. This isn't about how good we are. It isn't about, I don't even believe this is about about who's chosen and who's not. This is the spirit of God that's drawing us to him. And again, I just come back to that very simple, that very simple verse. I, I don't know if it's God's choosing or, or me being open to it, but I, again, I'm just an old country boy and it says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm not in management or production. I'm in sales and consumption. But I do remember an old song that my mama used to sing and just because my mama sang it, it's not scripture, all right? It's, it's more than common, but it's not scripture. Maybe you remember this song. I'm happy today and the sun shines bright. The clouds have been rolled away. For the Savior says, whosoever will may come with him to stay. You remember the chorus of this song? And you guys know this? Whosoever surely meaneth me, surely meaneth me, surely meaneth me. Whosoever surely meaneth me, whosoever meaneth me. If you want Jesus, he's yours. Don't worry if you're predetermined, predisposed, predestined. If you want Jesus, he's yours. That's what the scriptures say. If you want him, he's yours. I've met people who say, well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I'm predestined. Look, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm not gonna argue theory. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna get drawn into that argument. If you want Jesus, he's yours. And he'll call you, and he'll call you into something bigger and bolder than anything you've ever dreamed of. This series, we're talking about dream again. I was, I was on an airplane last Friday, flying up to be with my brother who was put in the Kentucky Veterans Hall of Fame. And, and I was, I was, I had, my brother Vernon was on the plane. We weren't riding together because it was like I was riding that Delta, the cheaper than coach option. It was like, you know, you like, you like, you know, you might be sitting on the wing, you know, they determine where you're at. And, and, and it was like the, the $80 seat round trip. And I had, and I had a hundred dollar voucher. So they owe me 20 bucks somewhere. And, but I, but I was sitting, I was sitting back there and, and I was on my way up to Kentucky and there was this lady sitting next to me and, and I read for a little bit and then I just turned and I just said, you know, is Kentucky your home or 
you know, is, is Atlanta your home? And she goes, no. She goes, I'm actually from Florida. She goes, I'm flying up to Lexington. And I said, oh, what are you doing in Lexington? And she said, well, I'm in the horse business. And I said, oh, well, where are you going to? And, and she told me she was going to the Kentucky Horse Park. There were events that day. And, and we talked for just a little bit longer. And, and in about one minute, I knew exactly who she was. One of the most famous horse trainers in the world. I don't know why she was flying cheap coach. She actually said, I just, chose to, I just chose to go up. I didn't know I was gonna be able to go and I got the only seat that was open on the plane. And I said, oh, wow. I said, you know, I was gonna do horses. That's what I was gonna do. That's what I did in high school. I trained horses and raised horses and sold horses. And, and I said, that was my dream. And she goes, well, I'm so sorry you lost your dream. And I said, oh, ma'am, you don't understand. I said, I, I love horses and, and I would love one day to have them again and be around them. I, I love the smell of horse manure. I know you find that odd, but it's just comforting to me. It smells like fried chicken and, and, and it just, it, it's just comforting to me. Is there anybody else that grew up on a farm that knows what I'm talking about here? Okay, yeah, it's not disgusting. Okay, it's not fried chicken. That was hyperbole, but it's in the ballpark. And I said, I, I get to tell people about Jesus and I get to walk with people in their best moments, in their hardest moments. And, and I, I see miracles happen. And, and sometimes I, I don't see miracles happen, but when the miracles don't happen, I still get to be there. And, and I watch kids Lives change. I said, I didn't give up my dream, ma'am. Holy Spirit's also in you. Jesus said, peace be with you, John 20. We're gonna put it on the screen. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you receive, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. Can I just tell you, I think that's practical, not theological. Paul says a couple chapters after the classic chapter on predestination, he says, but how can they hear unless somebody tells them? Is there a God part of salvation? There is, but there's a practical part. How will they know? This is the thing that I, I just find this, that when you go and you get around people and, and you get to know them as people, not as projects, but as people, and you start praying, the Holy Spirit starts working, and, and they want to know who Jesus is. Listen, Nobody wants to think that the essence of their life is getting stuff and dying and being gone for all eternity. People want this to be true. And here's the amazing thing, it is. But how will they know? How can they know unless we tell them? That's what I think this is about. I, I, I think this is not just about salvation. I think this is a sense of belonging. You, you're on a team now. 
You belong. And you're not on the bench. You're in the game. But there's one more thing about the Holy Spirit. So he's with. That's drawing us to salvation. He's in. The in means we're saved. Here's the last thing. He's on you. In the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit would come upon people like Moses and David and Gideon. And they would do things that they never dreamed. What? Moses, Moses, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh. Uh, Lord, I got a stuttering issue. I'm gonna need a better speaker. So he goes and gets Aaron. That didn't work out very well, if you know the story. Moses would have been fine on his own. David, David was the littlest brother. Not just the youngest, he was the little brother. The little redhead's literally what scripture says. He's the, he was the one that, that was, was the weakest. They put the armor on him and he falls down. He can't, but he's the one. Gideon, they go to fight and he says, no, we're not gonna do it with the thousands. We're gonna do it with the hundreds and we're gonna do it by the power of God, not by the power of man. Joseph, the spoiled kid, and he winds up being the one. Listen, the spirit of God would come on people. Esther, I love that line. She says, listen, you pray and I'll go to the king. And if I perish, I perish. God raises people up. His spirit comes upon them. Ezekiel, Samson empowers them for service. In Acts 1, we talked about this last week. The spirit would be on us. For, for service. Luke 24, we're gonna put it on the screen. 49, behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but you stay. Here's the question. You have the Holy Spirit if you're a believer, but does the Holy Spirit have you? That's the, that's the on part. That's the filling part. And that word filling, let me just, let me demystify that a little bit. That word filling, when it says you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit in the Greek, it, the word is much more about complete than it is putting something in. It's much more about completing. You'll be completed in the Spirit. Yes, he's with you, he's, he's in you, and now he's on you. It's a totality, and this comes through obedience. It's the third relationship. It's always word-centered. Acts 2, 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem there Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. You ever been somewhere outside your, your native land? I, I've, a lot of times I travel two teams and I travel home by myself, and I'll be by myself for a couple days traveling. Sometimes the places we're in, it takes a couple days to get there, and sometimes you have to spend the night somewhere, either in a little hotel or an airport, and, and then all of a sudden you hear someone speak English and you're not alone. This is, this look at what it says here. They're speaking in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not these speaking Galileans? So what what, they're getting, what you're getting ready to see here, all these people, how is it we hear each of us in our own native language? And that word language, it isn't just language, it's speaking it well. This, these are just common folk right here. These gal, literally it's saying, I mean, 
just, if this, if this were the South, these are Southern common people, Galileans. And they're like, we're not hearing bonjourno. We're hearing bonjour. <laughs> by, by the way, you know how to say cut the grass in French? I'm gonna give you a little modilon. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belong to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians. Basically, it's everything in the known world. And we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. I've heard stories of this. John Corson tells a story. They had rented out a hotel for a conference. Somebody starts speaking in tongues. Nobody's there to interpret. They shut it down. They don't know exactly what had happened there. They had had to rent the bar in order to rent the hotel, and because they were Christians together, they went in to get a Coca-Cola. A little joke there, but true. And they went in, they got their Coca-Cola, and the bar, the guy tending the bar says, what is this thing that's going on? He goes, they go, well, it's, it's, a, it's a pastor's conference. And he goes, why was that man up there speaking in Farsi? He goes, I'm from Iran that man was up there speaking in Farsi. He was talking all about Jesus. I've heard about Jesus, but I don't know who he is. But that man was explaining everything about Jesus and that Jesus loved all humanity and Jesus came and died for all humanity, for the sins of all people, including people all over the world. He said, is that man from, a, how does he know Farsi? And if you discount that story, Spring told me this one. I didn't know this one. They moved to, when Buddy and Jody went to Idaho, they were preaching at a church in Boise, Idaho, not the cultural capital of the world. They started this church. It wasn't a huge church at the beginning. It grew. There was this man who would come in every week, didn't speak English, would sit in the back of the church. He starts taking English classes. A year later, He's talking to Buddy, and he says, can I ask you a question? I, I love this church. Why have, all, why have all these people who don't speak my language been here the whole time when you've been preaching in my language for the whole year? See, God wants the world to know him. That's how he moves. Simple people. This is, this is a little bit like Babel, but the difference is this is not just one language, many places being put back into one language. This is all people. What language will we speak in heaven? Well, English, of course. And French. And Farsi. And Meliala an Italian, and we'll all understand it because it says that he's bringing people together from every tribe, tongue, nation, people because he brings us together. 
That's the power of the work of the Holy Spirit. A couple of takeaways and one story. Worship team, you guys can make your way up. Here's the first thing. To do what God calls us, we have to prepare. How do we prepare? We have to learn God's word. His spirit will never act outside of his word. Prepare by knowing his word. If you wanna begin to learn the ways of God, you have to know the word of God. Here's the second thing, lean into his ways. How does he work? We're gonna look at that in a couple weeks in Acts chapter two. You just start knowing, you just start sensing it, you just start understanding it. It takes time. But the more you learn his word, you'll begin to learn his ways. And he'll move you into relationships. He'll move you into conversations with people. And sometimes he'll give you insights and you need to cautiously, prayerfully consider how he does that. It isn't about being ridiculous. It isn't about being foolish. It is about learning the ways of God. And you begin praying and you see the ways that he does things. If your faith is weak, you need to get around somebody who's strong. And watch how he moves. I was, I was having lunch the other day with a young man. He's running for U.S. Congress. And I've known him since he was 13 years old. And we were having lunch. And we were done. The waitresses came over. And he said to them, he said, hey, um, do you guys go to church? And they go, yeah, we haven't been since COVID. And he goes, well, I go to church. This is my pastor. He goes, do you guys know Jesus? And they're like, well, kinda. And I'll be honest, I sat there and I'm like, I said, you know, Matthew, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't do that. But I think probably I should. I think, I think I need to be praying for my waitresses more. I need to be praying for the people that I interact with more and watching where God does that little push. Ida Chernikova was a young woman who lived in Russia. And in July of 1968, she was put on trial for her faith. Everyone that knew her described her as the most beautiful woman in her entire village. But her marriage was not to a man, it was to Jesus. Everyone saw that faith. It was such a strong thing in her and the Russians hated that. She would write notes to everyone in the village and tell them about Jesus. And finally, they could take it no more. They put her on trial for the most ridiculous trumped up charges. She defended herself. And when it was over, they put her in prison for three and a half years. There's a little thing that she says. She hadn't started out being that strong in her faith. But then she went to a revival. It was breaking out at a Baptist church in the Soviet Union. For a while, faith was growing weak, and suddenly there came an awakening. 
and I saw something miraculous. I saw the dead, the spiritually dead rising again, and the weak proved capable of great feats. And I came to know the greatness of humility and patience, the greatness of the church's struggle, and the revival quickened my spirit too. And from that time on, I have not been able to remain uninvolved. And she printed cards and wrote them to everyone in her village that said, repent and believe the good news. There's a little book from Voice of the Martyrs. There's a QR code. I think we're gonna put it on the screen. You can, you can get this for free. They'll send it to you. It's filled with stories of eight women who are bold about their faith. And this is what it says at the end. While she was in prison, they smuggled out pieces of cloth written on bed sheets about her story. And believers read the words of Ida of Leningrad. And she left the prison camp on April 12, 1971. Upon her release, they said she had learned nothing from her punishment, but in truth, she had learned much, not from what her Soviet captors wanted. She earned a doctorate in God's faithfulness. And she gained a greater understanding of the deep joy and satisfaction that comes from serving him. Today, she lives in St. Petersburg. Her faith has outlived the regime that sought to restore it, to destroy it. Today, it's legal for Christians to gather and worship and preach. Holy Spirit, he calls us, he draws us, he empowers us. And if you felt dead, just ask him. It's not complicated. It's just him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we call on you today to fill us, to complete us. And maybe we have sensed your calling to us, your drawing to us. We've sensed your, your moving that we have come to know you. You're in us, you're with us, you're in us. But Lord, we long to be filled. And maybe for some in this room, this is a new thought. But that we're not just saved. We're not just given a jersey. We're, we're put on the floor. We're put in the field. You give us the ball. And you empower us to do things that go far beyond any dream, beyond all we ever asked or imagined. And you would give us dreams and you would give us vision beyond. We pray it in your name. Amen. As you go this week, two questions. What is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.